Ideas are everywhere. Welcome to a special episode of Lessons Learned in Marketing, the Phoenix Group Podcast. I'm your host, David Bellery. And today's episode is a trial of a new format. Let me know what you think. Occasionally, what I'd like to do is dig a bit deeper into a specific tactic or media. Take a chance to speak with some experts in a particular area and get their thoughts and advice. For instance, episodes specifically on topics like LinkedIn, Facebook, where we could talk to experts, masters of the craft. So to start off, let's talk radio. What? Who uses radio? Well, last week we heard from Grant Kozier of Global Ag Risk Solutions, and radio for him was a powerful medium to reach producers in Manitoba, Saskatchewan, and Alberta. It still provides the big reach that it used to, and it remains cost-effective. So although the shine may be off radio, don't discount its power. And my guests today are radio veterans Mike Tennant and Dan McManus. Mike and I worked together years ago at CHAB in Moose Jaw, where I was fortunate to witness his raw talent, and he has since created hundreds of campaigns and won every award that I can think of. You probably know Mike as the man who conceived, produced, co-wrote two very popular CBC radio series, O'Reilly on Advertising and The Age of Persuasion, with Terry O'Reilly, and he co-wrote their best-selling book, He's currently in the agency world, working in Ontario, and he loves to talk about radio. So I started by asking, Mike, what makes great radio? Yeah, well, I knew you were going to ask that, and I'm lying in wait having thought about it. My my first reaction is I I think it's good to be conscious of, of a lot of context. And the context I want to bring is most radio ads don't work. Most radio ads aren't that good. I think, and there's a lot of reasons for that. Uh, that it's incredibly hard to do, uh, the fact that a lot of non-radio people do it, um, the fact that there are a lot of people aiming really high and missing, or their people just aren't that good at it. Uh, so radio has such potential and such amazing possibility, and yet in my calculation, in my world, about 85% of what we hear fails. And that's the context into which you and I create ads. Another great radio talent is Dan McManus, a voice director and producer with Six Degrees in Calgary. Dan is the best voice director that I've worked with, and he's directed and produced more than his share of award-winning spots. Dan also loves radio and can see opportunities for us to all create better radio. If I spoke generally about radio today, I think radio's kind of become too utilitarian and too much a reflection of a print ad, and it's lost a lot of the muster of the storytelling and the situational comedy and just using the imagination of the listener to create story. And, you know, I I miss that. And I understand also why radio is going this way. Dan and Mike agree. Radio, although it seems simple, is very hard. I think because it's an art, if you were to compare it to another art, say uh, uh, the great oil paintings by the masters, uh, I mean, how many people paint oils and are considered among the greats? Uh, I think it's a matter of luck. It's a matter of skill. It's a matter of having the right brief, the right client, reaching the right audience uh, by the right stations at the right time. Uh, You know, part of it's luck. You can have a great ad that just 
works badly on a particular station or with the way the listener's mood is at a given time. So you're a bit dependent on that. But uh, I think you need a lot of stuff to go right and you have to read the landscape really well. And sometimes your brief won't let you do that. Uh, it's, it's, there's, you're juggling about 16 balls at the same time and they have to stay in your hands. It's hard. I think radio, you can't hide. And when we were talking to, um, if you talk to really great voice talent who also are stage actors or screen actors, they will tell you that radio is difficult uh, because you can't hide. And if it's not on the page in the script, uh, then and ad libs aren't allowed. Then you've got to really try to make something um, with the words you do have. And uh, at times, I think the radio not only is it challenging from a like a as a as a medium, it's also challenging for someone who might work in traditional broadcast TV or just in print to kind of start thinking about scenarios in your mind. And uh, I think that's why people sort of shy away from you know taking radio where it could go because it, it is it's a it's a dif- it's difficult to do great radio i think um and again I, com- I guess coming back to you can't hide if it's not a great script you'll know it right away if your talent's not right you'll know it right away if it's got a lot of copy that's you know promotional and selly but you didn't want it to be selly i'm sorry it's going to be selly <laughs> it's it uh, you can't hide so it's hard well what are some of the ways to make it better what can a young or old writer do to make great radio. Yeah, and I, I think you would agree that the scripts we wrote 20, 30 years ago, uh, we didn't know as much as we know now. Uh, one of the minor tricks, for example, is to keep the message really spare, keep one central message and maybe a little bit of support as opposed to a laundry list of things. Write the script short of what you really think it should be. So if you have a 30 second spot, Write 25. Make sure you don't write more than 25. And that gives breathing room that comes in so handy later. Um, Understand your audience. Understand the brief. There's so much we can do to prevent those bad things from happening that make ads fail. We can eliminate so many of them by really putting ourselves in the listener's shoes, understanding who that listener is and what they want. Uh, Imagine the context of a, a spot set and the spots that are running around you. Think of this tone of the station or stations you're going to be running on the more you understand that stuff the more you can really climb deep into the ear of whoever's listening Uh, so there there is a checklist of things we can go through to to prevent failure in, in radio ads i guess if i had tips for writing or creating good radio the first thing would be one main selling point and two support points for a 30 second commercial whenever i see a spot that's trying to do more than that, it usually becomes a hardworking spot. And I think the tune-out factor by an audience is huge. Um, if you do have more than, if you have more than sort of one main point and two support points, I'd say, I love this idea. And a, there was a, um, a creative director in town. He always did this. He always said, well, we're going to make two spots and put them in rotation so that we can still have good creative points in there, but we're not going to have our sort of heavy lifting run the whole spot. So if you have more than that number of sort of selling points, then make it two spots and run them in equal rotation. The script, of course, is, uh, as Mike alluded to earlier, only one piece of the puzzle. Another is talent. Uh, Well, part of like the sixth brand is finding the best possible talent to do do a project. And sometimes when I see scripts, I'll, and David, you probably laugh when you hear this, but I'll look at a script and I'll go, that's a four. And if I can make it a seven and a half when it leaves our shop, then that's great. But if it's starting at a four 
it's tough to make it a 10. That's a really important part of anything that we do, you know, is that you're dealing with sometimes a challenging scenario and how can you make it better and great talent can lift things off a page, can offer ad libs, can offer a perspective difference, can see a scene that you didn't see, and that can elevate a spot, again, from a four to a seven or a six to a nine, and and, and those are wonderful things. But it does have to start with a great script if you're going to deal in the eight to ten category. So if the talent is so important, how do you cast? How do you choose the right voices? Yeah, casting gets so tricky because you often have a client who has a a highly preconceived notion of what a great announcer or great uh, performer does in audio. And the default is usually a a buttery voiced male, um, you know, of the, uh, the Ted Baxter variety, or just a really sultry or smoky or wonderful sounding female. And there's so many global questions you need to ask. Do you want somebody who sounds like they've been to radio school? Or is there an authenticity to someone who can lift words off the page in a very natural and almost clumsy kind of way, in a clumsy, engaging way? Do you want somebody with stage acting experience, which is a a great revelation I've had over the years. Stage actors are wonderful because they absolutely know how to do near and far and big and small in ways that most uh, career voice actors really don't know. Today, I feel like there are great actors that can be great voice actors as well, and they are just good at performing in, in situations. They are just like they would be on screen, uh, but in radio they're able to just imagine that scenario and participate fully in it. Um, so that's definitely one way. And, and, and another, I think, is, is really prepared talent, talent that come in prepared, have read the script, have thought of options, have even checked the word count to go, well, if it's at 90, I, I know I've got to have these words dialed because I'm going to be reading it quite a clip just to get through this. So they sort of are not only just reading and knowing their lines, they're interpreting what is actually the goal of the script. Uh, that's a powerful thing. And, and good talent, good talent do that. They go, I know what they're trying to do here, and I know where I need to shine and where I need to just sort of let, you know, be the foil. Now, I know sometimes it happens that you cast a voice, you think they're going to be great, but they aren't. What do you do then? Yeah, that's almost another conversation, isn't it? Because when you when you cast somebody and they come in, and after even the warm-up read, you think, oh dear. And when the first take happens, you think, oh dear. And you do a bit of your best direction if you happen to be directing. And then you're thinking, oh dear. <laughs> and there's not much you can do about it. <laughs> and and uh, so the question becomes, you know, you're, you're, you're having flop sweat. You're thinking about um, answering that, that matchbook ad and going into refrigerator repair instead of what you're doing for a living. And you're thinking, how am I going to fix this? And the client's here. Uh, and that's one thing. And sometimes you can direct your way back into that. And I agree completely. Uh, sometimes it's the talent not giving you what you need and you get into that hole where... Uh, and the trick then becomes, if you're using that person in the, in the ad, uh, you want to keep as large a series of chunks of what they do as possible. You don't want to have a phrase here, a couple of words there, a sentence here. If you can, in a 30-second ad, say, if you can find five to 10 seconds of usable piece, just use the biggest possible pieces and assemble them together, then that's going to be the best route to repair. 
Well, hopefully you don't find yourself in that situation. There's also the opposite situation, and that's where you find yourself with a talent that is adding so much, bringing new ideas to the script and ad-libbing and writing things or, or creating moments within the script that you, you never even imagined were there. No, I know. I, I always like saying that the you know the talent. Whenever a session's ending and you're thinking the talent should get a writer credit, that's a good that's a good sign. That means that means they brought something and they also participated. And you know, talent that look at scripts and go, I'm going to do what they ask, uh, but I'm also going to be thinking of opportunities if I am asked, um, is great. We make great radio that way. Uh, the other part of that is is yeah, absolutely. Uh, I used to have the script. It was finished. Just do it. That's the way I've heard that Woody Allen makes films. He, you know, it's finished in his head. It's finished on the script. There's no latitude for the actors. Just do it. Uh, and and I've learned working with great announcers who say, "What about this?" or great uh, engineers who say, "What about this?" or directors. And yeah, I've been humbled enough times, and and I'm going to guess you have too, where. People come up with ideas and make stuff sound so much better than you imagined in your head. You realize, okay, maybe maybe I had to write in pencil instead of ink, because these these people in studio can make something I never imagined out of my work. Yeah, like I think straight narrative pieces with the perfect talent and a nicely, you know, sort of penned script. You leave those alone. You just stay out of the way and let that talent run it. But if it's a comedic spot or a situational spot or a dialogue driven spot. Um, I would keep your word count to 80, 80 words or 80, like a word count for a, a, a 30 second spot being about 80 words and be ready to, you know, sacrifice something if you got some great ad libs out of the, out of the spot and always ask for them. Um, it's amazing what talent will do for you if they've thought about your script and they're in that scenario um, in a meaningful way, they'll, they'll give you ideas you didn't see. So leaving room for ad-libs or for extra effects is always a challenge in writing. We already struggle to cut. Is there an ideal word count for radio? Uh, 30 seconds, 85. I don't, I don't know. I think I've just sort of found it. I've definitely 85 is really good for um, like a single read where we're not establishing a scene. Um, so I would say 85 is a really comfortable number for a 30 and 165 for a 60. Um, I think, I think I've probably stolen that from Terry O'Reilly like a long time ago. I think that guide came out for me. I think it was him like 15 years ago. Um, and it's always been sort of something that I look at when I'm reading a script. I'll even, you know, throw it into my Word document and see what the word count is. Uh, and it tells you a lot. As soon as you read it, you, like, you instantly know whether you better be thinking of ways to pair this back. Or in one circumstance where we entirely had we had a character in the room, we had a three three voice spot, and we actually had a character cut just due to time. The spot was running, I think it was 110 words in a 30, and we lost the talent. Talent down, talent down. <laughs> no room, sorry, you're out entirely. So, so it is really important to understand sort of what you're going in with, and and having those guidelines. I think they are just guidelines, uh, but they're good to have. And not only allowing room for the announcers to and talent to ad-lib, but also room for the engineers and, and production people to add to the spot. I, I don't know if I'm unique among radio writers, and actually I'd love to know how you come down on this, but I hear stuff in my head when I write, and, and it is there, and that's what I was talking about earlier, which is, you know, I have to make it pliable and be open to other things. 
but at least going into a studio, I know exactly how I want things to sound. And so if you're, if the engineer's playing me a sound effect, I say, yeah, that's great, but that's not quite the one I'm after. And I try to describe what I'm after and we find it. And I'll often try to lead the talent towards the read I had in mind and the background and the ambience. So it's already there and I'm comparing what is going into production against what I'm hearing. And then as we discussed earlier, trying very hard to be open to something that might make it better. Um, I start minimalist. Uh, I, I don't like loading on sound. I like to sort of build it a piece at a time so I'm hearing it. And there comes a point sometimes if you're building, say, if you're setting a, a, a situation spot in a backyard, you can start with some outdoor air ambiance, some, uh, some white noise. And uh, you might add an American Robin, which is the neighbor's yard, so you're suburban. And then after that, be very careful about what you add. So and again, I guess it's like the oil painting thing. You just want to very gently add elements and know when to stop so you're not loading it down so much. And then you get into a matter of timing and, and sound effects cues and whatnot, and that's a whole art in itself. But as a general rule, um, I'm adamant about wanting the most beautiful sounding elements, the, the, the best, crispest, most beautiful, rich, colorful sound effects you can have, and the most wonderful sound to the voices, uh, just really pleasing to the ear. And the, um, the way I sometimes frame it to people is, if radio's done right and you don't speak a word of the language being spoken in whatever you're listening to, you should listen to it and hear and, and think, that's just beautiful. That sounds wonderful. And, and that, to me, is great radio. And there are times you want to sound different, but that's a rule of thumb. Another thing that can happen with talent in a studio is they get coached out. It seems like we're, we're all, uh, you know, so many takes in and, and it just starts to lose sort of meanings. How many takes do you normally have in a recording session? Ooh, let's say single announcer. Uh, I would say I would get really nervous after eight. I think a sweet spot for me is in the eight to 12 takes. That's where there's good magic. Um, if it happens before that, that's great. And then it's really bold if you're willing to take it in the first couple. No, no, we already got it. I think that's always, I'm not really good at that. I like to explore. So I'd say eight to 12 is a nice place. I think once you're up to 30, you, you really have to have a, you really have to have a reason. Do you know what I mean? Like you have to have a reason why you're there. Why are we doing this? And, and because then you lose the talent, I think, to a certain extent, and you lose the room. Um, and you might even lose the plot along the way there too. So I think once you're up there, you've got to be sort of asking, is this the wrong talent? Is it something we're doing? Is it bad direction, which is always a possibility with me? So what are the things that led us to 30? It's funny, Dan mentioned being bold and taking the first take. I've never actually done that, but I have been in a session where I heard the first take and thought, wow, how can that get any better? Like what, what do you tell the talent when you're just awestruck and, and love that first take? Uh, yes, and what I've learned on that lesson is uh, tell them. Tell them exactly what you're feeling. You know what? I can't think of anything wrong with that take, but I think it's my job to ask you to do more. So, so let's go and explore this. And so you've been honest with them. You know, I really don't know how we can improve on that, but, uh, but let's see what we can do. I, I think the announcers appreciate that candor because when you're working with an announcer, you want to keep them on your side the whole time. One thing, I think, like like anything, to write great radio, you need to write a lot of radio. And sometimes that means writing a fair share of bad radio. 
Oh, yeah. And I think you would agree to this. You know, we've failed so many times in what we've done over the years. But failure is how you get good. And I'm embarrassed to say that because that failure has been at the expense of some clients for whom I've experimented or tried something with, you know, a a wholehearted uh, hope for success and later realized, yeah, I really shouldn't have done that. Uh, So, yeah, I made my mistake in some cases at the expense of... (laughs) of my career advancement at the moment and other times at the expense of clients. And I have a boss here who calls that failing forward. And if you don't make those mistakes, you don't learn the great stuff. I don't know how else you would do it or or get that knowledge. So finally, the question, what are the lessons you've learned in radio? Mike? Um, Gee whiz. Uh, I would say that there are no rules. Uh, I think when we start out, we say, yeah, this is a great way to do it. And this is a great way to do it. And every time somebody comes along and and breaks that convention and you realize, wow, I wish I'd thought of that. Um, So I think the one, the one constant in all great radio I've ever heard is passion and a passion for the medium. But outside of that, they're really, anyone who tells you that there are rules to create great radio is, is, is selling you something. Uh, and I look at where we were decades ago when we were creating the stuff we created, and, and some of that stuff is stuff I'm proudest of that I've ever done. I, I, and I don't think anyone had more fun than you and I did putting some of that stuff together. And in marketing circles, we you know didn't know anything back then. But it's amazing how good that work was and how it resonated because we had that passion, because we were wanted to create something that made a mark and was excellent. So I think if we start with that quality... And, and a passion for the medium, there's not a whole lot can, can go wrong. And from a different perspective, but similar ideas, Dan, lessons learned in radio? First is is a proper, te- like a great spec. on Get a writer to write a spec. Have them sort of think about the character that they want so that we're kind of clear before we start going through talent selection or even in record, we kind of all know what we're trying to achieve. And usually in that sort of thoughtful time spent on the spec, um, you end up with a talent at the end that's a good fit, I would say more often than not. So I think that's that's kind of essential to to the part. Um, and then I think in, in session, it's being open to having that script be workable. Um, whether it's needing to have a client in the room, if it's, if you're worried that a client's not going to buy anything but what they had on the page, bring them to the session and they can just be involved in the process. And if they shut it all down, well, then they shut it all down. But if they don't, you might have some great opportunities in that script that you did not know you had until you had the talent in the room working it. So I think it's going in with an open mind to that. Um, and yeah, I think th- those, I think if other than my other little sort of tips about how to, you know, get there with the script, I think if you go in with that and, and and also just don't make it more complex than it needs to be. I think sometimes we're thinking it might say add music and add sound design and add all these things. I think once you have the dialogue kind of down, just take a look at it and ask yourself, what does this need, not what did we sell? Uh, and that can be a really powerful thing too. Well, that's the show. Thank you so much for listening. And please, if you have any feedback on this format, uh, let me know. Send me a note or write a comment on the blog or on the podcast page. My special thanks, great thanks to Mike Tennant. You can connect with him at MikeTennant.ca. Anytime, David. A real pleasure. And Dan McManus. You can reach and follow his work at 6degrees, S-I-X degrees dot C-A. 
I am. Anytime, David. Anything for you, my friend. Remember to subscribe to Lessons Learned in Marketing on iTunes. Till next week.